I'm Brendan McCormack and welcome to the Perth Fit Fan Podcast, where you get to hear from the best thought leaders and change makers from across the Perth fitness scene. In today's episode, we'll be catching up with Dr. Des Manon. Des is a multifaceted research scientist with years of experience in clinical biochemistry, in a pathology lab, and in the pharmaceutical industry. He's also the founder and director of Regen. Regen is a medical research company driving the translation and understanding of medical science knowledge from research to application. Regen supports commercial health and wellness and fitness centers looking to provide a more personalized program for their members through proper scientific analysis. If you love what we do, then you can become a supporter of Perth Fit Fan by joining our fan subscriptions on Facebook and gain access to exclusive content, discounts on merch, and more. And make sure to give us a five-star review on iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher for your chance to win a Perth Fit Fam shirt, which we'll be giving away at the end of every show. Thanks for tuning in. We hope you enjoy the podcast. Yes. Yeah. So that's like, that's almost like a supplement company getting like GMP oh, approved. Yeah. Well, GMP is just like, uh, oh, do your lab meet the, the specifications for being a lab? So in other words, I, it's not a garage. Yeah. Yeah. So yes. that's just that uh, GMP or GLP for labs is GLP. Yes. Um, so I used to do that for CSL. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so, and the difference for your lab becoming that? My, the difference in, in NATA's accreditation is that you've checked all the boxes as far as making sure that the results you're getting are, are true and someone else is saying that it's true. It's, it's, it's in, so it, there's some impartial ability in there as well. Yep. And you've, you've got all the things to say that, look, your staff's the right staff. You know, you haven't taken any schmore off the road. Say, hey, just come here and press this button for me. Or, <laughs> you know, uh, yeah. or, or, and you're, you know, you've followed the appropriate procedures so that your staff's getting um, the proper development and training company. Yeah. Uh, but from a lab perspective, that your lab's running clean and and uh, and you know everything's follow, following the right specific you know, that that's been set up for a proper medical lab accredited lab um, so then doctors and pathologists can say hey there's you've got a lower price please run these for me yeah gotcha yeah gotcha um all right guys podcast 26 dr des menon menon yes that's yes right. that's right <laughs> awesome um, so Tell us a little bit about yourself. You're you're from ECU, which is where we're at now. So tell us about your background and what you do here. Okay, I, I currently, aside from teaching, which is a, it's now made a compulsory thing, uh, I also do research, but I do research specifically in medical science uh, and it's in a specific area. I do a lot of the molecular side of the medical science work. So some, should I name some examples? Of yeah, that? absolutely. So I've got two grants that are running. Um, one is where I look at trying to understand the molecular basis for why exercise is good for you. I mean, a lot of people know, and it's established. It's an established fact, you know, when you exercise, you feel healthier and your body's working better. But if I asked you exactly why that is the case, you can't really boil it down to a specific thing that you've gained because really... All the mechanisms within you, they're already there. Yes. Uh, but somehow exercise, uh, what it does, it, it makes everything run smoother and efficiently and the way it's supposed to run. So can you explain one, some of the mechanisms that you're talking about? Uh, there are quite a few. But at a molecular level, you're looking at things like the mTOR and, and, and specific um, uh, N-glycosylase re- uh, reactions where 
your you have uh, glycoproteins or uh, lipo, uh, lipoproteins that are forming uh, that are then used for signaling pathways and the signaling pathways then or how well they work then effectively result in how well your your metabolism works mm -hmm. so there's a lot there and and I can't off the top of my head remember yes. all of them because yeah. it, with with medical research at the molecular level a lot of the research is so specific that you look at trying to prove or disprove at a particular pathway and that's it. Yes. Yeah. So. Um, yeah. And so you're saying that these, uh, these are mechanisms that are naturally occurring in your body. Then I, whether, then whether, you're, whether you're a fit person or not, whether you're exercising or not, they're yes. there. But then by exercising, it improves the function of them. Well, maybe if I could give a very uh, simple example yeah please do uh, I'm, you, I, I'm a simple guy <laughs> no, no, no. well I'll, I'll try my best um, you, you're born with uh, specific mechanisms that make up your metabolism and, and you know they're working because you are alive yeah. uh, and there are mechanisms you know, that sometimes don't work as well interestingly enough uh, there is a correlation between how unfit you are and how uh, not well these uh, these these pathways are working mm -hmm. um, you know some people their metabolism in their metabolism they're more prone to certain uh, pathways not working as well as they should and hence they're in a sense more prone to particular um, uh, I suppose uh, uh, propensity to be unfit or unhealthy because yeah. something's not working as well uh, and you only see, like for example, if you look at if you look at type two diabetes, um, that we we now realize it's a multifactorial disease. It's 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 a chronic disease, but it arises because there are a good number of different pathways that are slightly dysfunctional. It's not just one pathway. Your body is quite resilient. Yes. Um, but we but what we find with exercise is when you exercise and things start working the way they should. Well, exercise actually encourages these pathways to work, to work the way they should. And because of that, the body's more efficient and they're working just like they should and you actually function better and you're actually healthier. Cool. So in yeah. a nutshell, exercise makes you function better and makes you healthier. It does, but we uh, don't know why. Yeah. Isn't yeah. that crazy? I, I, I th like from a, from a very simpleton outside point of view, I thought that it would have been very established as to knowing why exercise works. Uh, at a molecular level, we don't really know. Because uh, someone who's obese, someone who's not obese, uh, the same pathways exist. Yeah. And, uh, they have done twin studies. You can yes. have, you know, and they've done, you know, on, on, on mice. They have experimental mice where they're exactly genetically the same. Yeah. And you can have different interventions. A lifestyle is like an intervention. And so if you put them through different interventions, yes. one you might be just feeding it like crazy and the other one's feeding a really healthy, nutritious diet. Uh, over a number of just a number of months, they look very different, even yeah. though genetically they're same. So functionally, uh, um, genetically, their metabolism is the same. And yet, uh, what's happened because of the interventions or the difference in the interventions, that's result in one being really unhealthy and morbidly obese, and the one the other one still maintaining its uh, health. Yeah. And the same thing is found with with uh, in, when they when the Imperial College of London looked at twin studies for humans. Um, I think this, I just recently read a case where you had twins and one expressed schizophrenia and the other one didn't. Uh, and yet they're both genetically identical. And it had to do with the difference in their lifestyle and what was being expressed from them. Did you know what, what the difference was with the one who expressed schizo schizophrenia? 
uh, I didn't read that far in. Yeah, I'll admit to that. But like I said, what they said that the the gist of it was. As you, as you mean, as in what, what, um, like what for instance, was one a drug user, was one a drug user, and one not? No, 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 it wasn't that extreme. It's okay. just a, a very different lifestyles, you know, as far as what we deem as acceptable in our society, you know, being a sedentary, yes. being, you know, not being conscious of what you're eating, as compared to being, you know, really health conscious where you're eating the right foods or, you know, in other words, having the right diet that's 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 good for. For, for you and having sufficient physical activity that you're promoting uh, better metabolism. It's as simple as that. And so you had one expressing schizophrenia and the other one wasn't. Yeah. It's quite interesting. Isn't that incredible? Yeah. Isn't that incredible? So um, at the midway through last year, or at the beginning of last year, okay. um, I, uh, I was actually at a hospital. So, so, so a, a quick... Uh, nutshell of what happened. I was at a hospital consulting for a company and um, I, was, I was observing a, a stress test. So okay. the guy on the treadmill, um, he obviously didn't train. Um, I explained it like full sleeve tats, wife beater shirt, you know, yeah. mullet. <laughs> uh, looked like, you know, he, he, probably a drinker, probably a smoker, course, yeah. you know, just from judging and um, obviously wasn't healthy, didn't train. Yeah. And I looked over, uh, sorry, the doctor looked over to me and said, okay, uh, this patient in my field is considered the healthy male adult because he's not morbidly obese and he can walk. Yeah. And I've grown up in the fitness industry where all my friends, everyone that I speak to day to day are all <laughs> fitness. So since I was 18, I've had this walked reality that like everyone sort of does it now. It's not like the early 2000s. Yeah. But it's crazy that less than 18% of Western Australians actually have a gym membership or do something active apart from walking, which means that like 82% or 80% of the population lives what you're saying in that sedentary lifestyle, which is do. not allowing their bodies to function. Yes, unfortunately. Uh, it's quite sad, actually, especially in, in WA. Uh, we've got the beach, we've got the sun, we've got yeah. all of these things, and yet um, we, we don't have uh, sufficient encouragement and opportunity to actually go out there and use it properly. Yep. Uh, I think it's sad that we are following in the, the same demographics as the states, Yeah. where if you look at, a, at the population as a bell curve, Ordinarily, you 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 have a bell curve with the with the dome upwards. So on either end, you have the extremes with the normals in between. So yep. you have the majority of the people being average. Okay. Then you have you know on on one end the ones that are extremely fit and elite and healthy and and and, they're, and so they they're a small bunch, but they're there. And then you have the on the extreme opposite end those that aren't as healthy and not so fit and all that stuff. Yep. Um, and that's a normal bell-shaped curve. Mm -hmm. But what, what's really interesting about the States and, and Australia is that our curve is the other way around. So we have very little normal, but we have two extremes. On, the, on either extremes, we have a lot of them. So we have really healthy and fit people. Yep. Uh, you know, uh, we have very few that fit into the normal category. And then we've got a lot of them that also fit on the other extreme where they're not so healthy, they're not fit, their lifestyle's just shockingly bad and, yeah. and all of that. It's quite interesting. What, from your point of view, why do you think that is? I, I don't know. That's society, I think, isn't it? Uh, yeah. that's, that's what's come of uh, societal demand. You know, we'd be, I mean, if you go back 50 years, I doubt we sat on a chair for so long. No. And yet now... I spend most of my time sitting on a chair and then I'm, I'm promoting fitness and health, but then I'm sitting on the chair for, for most of my time. So I have know? a question for you on that. Um, so 
nowadays it's it's really big within the fitness space to track your your needs or sure. the amount of um, can you say it for me non exercise Activity, I don't, yeah. Anyway, it's basically size levels. Sort yeah, of, yeah, of activity that you're experiencing. So people tracking steps and things like that, and trying to reach a goal of ten thousand steps a day. And okay. your phone tells yeah. you no, all this. These are all uh, ways to encourage people to move. Yeah, uh, but if you look at the WHO recommendations right now, uh, it's quite interesting because right now, under you can look up the WHO site. It says that sitting is a is a is a hazard. It's a health hazard. Yes. Uh, sitting is now considered a health hazard. That's funny. Because yeah. the amount of sitting that we do, it's, it's affecting our lives. Yep. Uh, and this is why you have things like, oh, you've got to stand up, walk around, a stand desk, all of these things. Because uh, the reality is our lifestyle, the way it is now, does uh, entail a lot of sitting down and doing nothing yeah. physical. How many you steps know? do you think? Because you've done, you've just come back to back from two 12 hour days of lecturing. Uh, yeah. How many yeah. steps do you think that you'd take on one of those days? Do you monitor I, I it? I don't all? know. I don't, I don't. I don't because I'm, I'm, uh, I used to be fitter. Yes. Uh, I'll, uh, not anymore. I'll add sadly, not anymore. Um, so people that are listening to the audio, Des, um, he showed us some photos recently of a few years ago. <laughs> and um, so you, you, you were a bodybuilder. Like you, were, you were a lot of muscle and really, really good shape. Well, well, and you're still in shape now. You're just not bodybuilder yeah, sort of shape. I, yeah. Well, I, my main sport was, I know it doesn't work in with uh, a PhD in, in molecular <laughs> But I, I, in my younger days, I used to compete in 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 uh, uh, full contact martial arts. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. What was it? Uh, it was like K one. Oh, yeah, yeah. So yeah. multidiscipline. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Just, yeah, I fought. I mean, you know, that was the thing. I grew up with that. So it's like you. Yes. My lifestyle, thankfully, growing up was just you know uh, don't sit down, sit around the whole day. Do something physical as well. Yeah. Uh, it helps when you have three other brothers. Yes. So that was all, that was what we did. We all, that was something that we all loved. We That's probably cool. still love it, but you know, maybe don't do it anymore. <laughs> uh, but, uh, so Jim came in because I needed to make weight. Yes. And yep. I didn't want to make fat weight. I needed to make muscular weight. Of course. Um, you know, so that, that's how, and I, unfortunately or fortunately, I just loved it too much. Yep. Uh, yeah. So I, I, I gained a lot of muscle weight. I think the heaviest I got was almost 110 at 12%. It, wow. helped. it helped because I, I was working in pathology by then. Yeah. So it was easy to do my own blood tests. So that, that <laughs> kind of gives me the segue which I wanted because the big crux of this conversation is I want to talk about your business which involves um, blood tests. We, oh, you yes, do, yes. You I, do do re I have a research lab that does blood tests. Yes. Yeah. Um, you do uh, something called gene expression as well but I want to save that for another day Yes. Okay. Um, because that's quite complex and it's something that we'll probably um, do over a couple of episodes. So first of all, the lab is called Regen. It's in Wangara. Yeah. Um, so tell us a little bit about what you guys do. So the services you do and why this is of interest to fitness people. Well, uh, at the moment, I because of my affiliation with, with the university, I actually service a lot of their blood work. So a lot of the research that I'm in or am involved in are either sports science research or medical science research where you, you are looking at using exercise uh, as a form of therapy. Sure. For for people with chronic disease, for people with, with, with cancer, any one of these or recovering from cancer. Uh, and it's found. And, and I think now it's, it's quite established uh, that it's actually a really good 
tool. And I think it's, again, it comes back to what we were talking about before. You know, it, it sort of helps you to write your, your insights. Yeah. You know? Um, so, but for a lot of the research where you're actually using participants, mm -hmm. uh, you, have to do, you have to have an internal marker that's representative of that change. Uh, naturally, you look at um, blood markers because blood's your transport medium. Yep. Um, and that gives you an idea of how the insides are doing uh, in, in relation to what, you're, what sort of interventions you're putting them through. Yep. So some of the markers, I think the standard ones that you look for, obviously, if you're looking at health, are your glucose, your lipids, your, your HDLs, LDLs, your cholesterols in total. Um, yep. uh, some cases, you do look at VLDLs, which are, you know, small subset of, of um, uh, uh, lipoproteins as well. Mm -hmm. um, other things you look at as well, especially since it's exercise, you look at insulin, insulin levels and sensitivity, yes. especially if you, when you're looking at um, exercise in relation to how that then uh, helps with type 2 diabetes, mm -hmm. for example, um, or uh, how well your body, how well people who are morbidly obese are doing as well because all of that 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 all has an impact on how efficient your body is functioning yes right yeah, insulin sensitivity especially so you're basically um getting a chance to look under the hood yes to exactly see what's actually going on instead of uh either guesswork that's right um or, or judging from physical observation of the person alone yeah, yeah which which i see a lot now people yes. will do that or right. someone will just go into a supplement shop and buy something <laughs> which has no effect of them whatsoever and so this gives someone an actual snapshot of what's going on under the hood yes now we spoke about this off camera but um, for me, it's silly that there's not that Australia doesn't have access to this. But explain, can you explain why it's hard to get blood tests? I think that, that, that whenever you do blood tests, especially when it is for diagnostic purposes, you have to be careful. And this is what the, the how the, the the structure, medical structure in Australia is set up. You know, it's all about being careful so that nothing's being done just for the sake of doing it. And it's, it's, and it's because of that, it's more a, a matter of air and the side of caution sort of thing where you do what's required based on what sort of observations you're seeing in your patient. And that's how doctors do it. Mm -hmm. um, but I think slowly but surely, we are sort of moving from a more uh, treating a, a problem scenario to trying to maintain a wellness scenario. So preventative, preventative as opposed to cure. Exactly, that's right. Yeah. Yep. So maybe not just yet. I think it's still new. Yes. And so it's not something that could be easily implemented in, in, in our, you know, our, our medical infrastructure. So yep. uh, like I said, obvious, for obvious reasons, because, you know, doctors have to be careful with what they're actually um, requesting patients to get a screen off as well. Yeah, but you guys being a private lab are able to do this. Well, I, I'm, I'm doing what I do for research. Yes. So, and this, this is where research is different from diagnosing. Your re research, you're at the forefront. You're trying to discover and understand something new. Gotcha. Yes. Okay. So, and that's why a lot of research projects, that, that's why you have a lot of research projects. You know, research projects then help to establish and identify whether or not something's useful or not, and then it moves on to where, you know, the possibility of um, implementing it. Okay. And so that's the translation process. And I think Australia is in that phase right now. Sure. And you, as a country as a whole, it's a massive undertaking, and so it'll take a while. Yeah. Uh, and you see it exists 
from a research perspective for a while as a result of that. So for research projects, yes, I, I, I provide that service where you know my lab can actually run tests. It's a PC2 lab, so uh, everything's done properly. It's not not a garage. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it's actually a facility out at Wengara. Right, right. So from your point of view, why is it important that someone goes and gets a test? Well, my my opinion, uh, if you look at if we sort of look at a particular area, if you're looking at fitness. And everyone now that's trying to get fit, and that's a really good thing that people are trying to get fit. If yes. they've now said, right, I'm going to get fit, uh, you know, and they go, right, and they go join a gym and they, they want to say, well, give me the best program you have so I can get the, to look like you, for example, you know, and all of that kind of stuff. Uh, they, they, I think they, sometimes people jump the gun. Yeah. Because they need, first need to understand, and even the exercise physiologists will probably benefit from understanding how well they actually look on the inside yeah. you know if you had someone and you mentioned uh when you went to the hospital and you you, you had a look at this patient he was you looked a bit unfit yes drinking i mean it's would you automatically put him on your best or your most intensive program probably not no uh, but 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 then so the question back is how uh, back to you would be how would you decide what program to put him under uh, and this is where you, if you understood what he was like what his functioning was, like his body was functioning like. Yes. Uh, then it makes it easier to say, well, you know, let's start you off with, with this first, and then there is some method to the madness as far as what programs and what exercises you're going to give him. If he's someone that say, oh, and even uh, if you're talking from a nutrition perspective, mm. you know, you you don't just grab someone and say, you want to get fit. Have all of these supplements, and yeah. you'll be, and, and you know, and you'll be fine. Which is what happens. Yes, exactly. Uh, not knowing or not understanding what he's already taking or not taking or what his, his metabolism is like or, you know, all of these things come into play. And you find that people, there are people that, that go in because they've, uh, they've stressed their bodies out too much from too many different sorts of supplements or not, not realizing that they could be intolerant to some of them yes. or even have an allergy to some of them. So, you know, so that, that becomes a problem. Yes, um, so that's just from a nutrition perspective. Say, and say likewise with exercise. Exercise is good for you, but don't forget it also provides a certain amount of stress uh, for your body. Yes. Because you're stressed from trying to supply what the body needs in order to do the physical activity that it needs. So you're talking about uh, cardiovascularly. You're talking about uh, from a kidney, your, your kidneys perspective, your, your, from your, your liver's perspective, all of these things. Um, while they're probably they're, while they're probably functioning well with your everyday stuff, if you now throw in a, re a really intensive exercise, you have to wonder how that's actually how your body's actually coping with that. Yeah. Or if it was it you know because you don't know how well it was coping with your day to day stuff anyway. I just I just came uh, you know and. Not to sound like I, I'm trying to keep fit, but I just came from the gym yesterday. Yes. And I, this chap that I knew for a while, he didn't, I didn't see him for a while. And all of a sudden I saw him. And he said, oh, how are you going, Des? I said, yeah, good. I said, where have you been? And he said, oh, well, I've been away. So where is it? And he, he lifted his shirt and he's had a transplant. His kidneys gave. Wow. And he was fit. And he was fit. He was really fit. You know, it was yep. one of those chaps that was always in. Yes. And all of a sudden he just, he said, no, Des, I don't know what happened. Uh, all of a sudden, one day I was felt I felt dizzy and um, and I 
they had to bring me into hospital and then they and I was told my, my, my kidneys were, 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 were failing on me and so he's got a kidney from his brother now one Who, kidney did he say like is that is that a genetic thing or is that like I, I don't know well, well, of proteins? Like, I don't know like I said there's so many a multitude of different things that that could have contributed or uh, or or added to that why either singularly or together yeah. but we don't know but and so like I said so the reality is I reckon it's a really good idea to find out how your body's doing on the inside yeah. before you start to pile on more stuff as well. So, like on that, um, a, a pro bodybuilder died um, two years ago, Dallas MacArthur, and he was 25, I, I, I believe. He was very young, but he was a young and up-and-coming, promising bodybuilder. Yeah. Now, I did a podcast recently with a good friend of his, Josh Lenardowitz, who's the top Australian bodybuilder yeah. who was the one that found him. So, it's obviously something very close to him. Yeah. Um, now, I spoke to Josh, and he spoke about getting regular blood tests, and yeah. one thing he said was... I just wish that he got a blood test because he would have known that genetically yeah. he had this issue and he would have been able to prevent it. But because he didn't know yep. and he, they were obviously doing things, which I, I believe it was a heart um, yeah. or, or, or something, they were doing things that, that could have been affected yes. um, from not checking under well, the hood. I, yeah, absolutely. I can imagine that. I can imagine that. One question I wanted to go back to, um, you spoke about getting blood tests done and that could change the way that you train. Yes. Um, from a nutrition standpoint, I, I completely understand that. You know, people have intolerances. They, 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 you know, there's obviously things that I understand. From a training point of view, um, why would a blood test change change the way that you would train someone? How would that change the way you train someone? Because that would, if you're an exercise physiologist and you were about to mat out a certain program for someone, mm-hmm. because he says, "Look, I want to be, I want to be this. I want to be like you," you know, and uh, I think a lot of people come into exercise at the start not realizing the amount it's, it's actually a, a, a long dedication yeah they think it's something that they can get over a short period of time the amount of people that go into a supplement store yeah. and say i want protein but i don't want to get too big is the first <laughs> one or if there's a guy who's really fit and really yeah, really yeah. big and they say oh yeah i want to be like that and it's yeah. like dude dude how long is this taking me yeah but, but that's just it it takes time yeah uh, Let's not even go into exercise first, but let me just, on a, on a segue, uh, just to get your meals right, just to make sure, and, I, when, and when I, by saying that, what I mean is having your body accept that you have to eat eight meals a day as opposed to your average three meals a day takes a lot of training, not just you trying to scoff food down, but your body to understand that enzymatically that's got to happen as well. Sure. You know? So there's a lot of training there as well. Yeah. So likewise, uh, I can only imagine, you know, if you're trying to now provide a kind of stress or a demand for your body to grow bigger, be fitter, anything, you you really have to be functioning uh, at, at at your you know at your top on the yep. inside for for your body to be able to uh, accept that training. And, and grow from that training as opposed to suffer from that training. Yeah. It's, it's, I, don't, I liken it to very simply like a car. If you, if you, buy, uh, if you buy a car that's got a really, that's basically a lemon. Yes. You, you, can't, you can't sort of race it down the stretch and expect it to do its best because the inside, you know, it's just, it's just waiting to die. Yes. But if you, if you get a new car, the only reason why we'd probably be able to do that is because the insides, everything is functioning as it should. Yeah. Uh, it's as simple as that. So it's, it's a health, can I say it's a healthy car? 
Yes. You know, yes. as opposed to an unhealthy car that's got clogged arteries and whatnot, right? You know, everything's not working and stuff's leaking and all that kind of stuff, you know? So yeah. in other words, it's not functioning from a health perspective. The car's not functioning the way it's supposed to. How can you then put more demands onto it? Yes. You know, and at people, your bodies are, I think, invariably the same, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it was interesting. We did a podcast yesterday with a sleep scientist and even yeah. even like incorporating proper sleep and tracking Absolutely. sleeping. Like just, just simple stuff like that. Um, what are the common things that you should be looking out for when you're in a blood test? What are the common things? You, uh, you did mention you did mention other stuff. I, did, I, I think the uh, first and foremost, uh, if you wanted to see, uh, more often than not, when, when I was working in pathology before, uh, uh, Blood tests, I think the people, I think norm, normally people have an idea, uh, have a notion that blood tests, you look at a snapshot and then you know what's happening to your body. The reality is uh, a snapshot value of anything, uh, most things rather, uh, they don't really tell you much uh, because it, it doesn't really give any perspective on that. Yes. Um, uh, really, a lot of tests, uh, they... they Doctors, they, they, they look at the whole historical process, you know, that, you know, what you were before and all that kind of stuff. And that's why there are certain, certain tests that would stand out uh, as a snapshot, um, but not all of them. So things like uh, where people are in a dire situation, like you, if you have someone having a heart attack, you know, then your, your, your CK, your CKMB, your TROP T, your TROP I, all of that goes up over a, a period of time. Mm-hmm. And if you catch those, it doesn't happen for any other reason sure. <laughs> except if you're having, a, having an episode. Um, but, you know, if you look at cholesterols and people tend to go, oh, my cholesterol is really high from this test. Uh, you know, you can be healthy now. If you go, to, you can go grab a really greasy burger, come back, uh, take a blood test in an hour, and it will look be it will look shockingly bad. Yes. but it's really an indication of what just went into your body. It's not it, it's not an indication of what you are permanently. Mm-hmm. So that's one example where you wouldn't look at cholesterol just a once off. You know, if it is a once off, if doctors are really oh that's really high. Well, let's come back a while uh, next uh, uh, a while later and then look at that again. You know, and he'll ask things like, how's your diet? All that kind of stuff. Yeah. Uh, because by that one test, it, 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 it sort of raises an eyebrow, but that's all it does. Because And that's why he'll ask, well, what do you have? You know, what do you have? Did you eat something? And that's why most blood tests are done uh, fasting. Yes. You know, because they want to make sure that you haven't sort of screwed around with it by eating something that you shouldn't have or not yeah. eating, you know, and, and all that kind of stuff. I think every blood test I've had, it's, um, yeah, fasting. You always do it fasting. You always do it fasting. Well, you'd be surprised how many people don't follow those rules. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, so that's one. Uh, yes. But the glucose, that's, a, that's something that you can look at a snapshot because there, there is an interval. Most tests have an interval mm-hmm. um, that, that you deem as normal. And you kind of hope that they all stick within that. Uh, for some, some of them, like glucose, your, your blood glucose levels, uh, those, you know, your body tries to maintain, a healthy body tries to maintain your blood glucose levels within that interval. Mm-hmm. And if you're above that in any point in time, that's not a good, not a good sign. Mm-hmm. So that's one example of where a snapshot's useful. So, so those are some of the tests that you can actually look. Look for. And then, like I guess, the most important thing 
how do people, how can people use this to optimize their health, which I guess is what we want is a healthy body. So they're functioning properly. Um, so how do, how do, how do they use this to optimize their health and fitness become essentially better versions of themselves, whether they're athletes or just fitness enthusiasts? I think if we have an understanding of what the the normal intervals are Mm -hmm. for things like your blood glucose level for your for your cholesterols, you know, HDLs, LDLs, uh, even though HDLs, LDLs, they're not, shouldn't really be used as a snapshot. But the idea is if you constantly, if you were someone that was actively trying to make sure that you were healthy and your diet was healthy and all that, you know, so all of that, you do blood tests every once in a while, I reckon is a good idea to help uh, monitor that internally as well. Mm-hmm. You know, how's your sugar is doing? How's your how's your cholesterol doing? So if you do it frequently enough, it's 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 for you. It gives you a, a historical chart of how well you're abiding by those uh, 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 rules to make sure that you're healthy. Yes, and therefore how well then your body's doing on the inside as a result of that. Yeah. Yeah. So one other marker that that people tend to use is your CRP, which is C-reactive protein. So that's inflammation. Yeah, that's inflammation. Yeah. Uh, people uh, tend to use that. The value you, you get there is a there is a reference interval as well, mm-hmm. but people tend to assume that a high CRP is always a bad. I mean, that once you get past a certain level, definitely it's too. It's it's, it's, it's you should go see a doctor. But yeah, uh, people forget that exercise naturally causes your CRP to go up as well. Yeah. So um, yeah. a couple of years ago, I did twelve months of extreme dieting, yep. and um, so I went through a, a baseline, a control. Um, Keto, vegan, macros, so three okay. months of each. Yeah. And um, every time I got a blood test, it showed very, very high levels of inflammation no, yeah. matter, which, no matter which diet I was on. But I trained five, six days a week doing yeah, CrossFit, but, which is... You know, the, the, the markers that your bloods provide you are indicative of not just a singular thing that's happening to your body, but everything. Yes. Yeah, exercise inclusive. Yes. Uh, any sort of stress you put on your body is going to result in an inflammation. Mm-hmm. Uh, Growing muscle is an inflammation of sorts. Oh, really? Yeah, it will, will, uh, encourages that. And that, yes. that demand then tells your body, maybe we need more fibers. Yes. You know, and that's what it is. Uh, obviously, the more efficient your body becomes in a, in a particular movement or exercise uh, that comes with you becoming an elite in a particular exercise, that, that, that C-reactive protein level starts to drop because your body is like, yeah, yeah, I know what you want to do. And it's not... It's not stressful for it anymore but then wouldn't you still then need to create more stress to then be able to create adaptation? Well, you can, i suppose you can use that as an indication again of, okay. of whether or not that exercise is creating enough of a demand yes i suppose that's one way of looking at it what about getting hormones tested uh yeah i mean definitely hormones you have to test i suppose when you're younger maybe not so much but if you or if you're some but i suppose if you're someone that's struggling to see any results in your training, um, definitely have hormones checked because uh, your hormones are your reg- your regulatory hormones. Yeah. Uh, basically, make sure that every other function in your in your, in your metabolic processes do what they're supposed to do. Because I guarantee every single guy that gets a blood test will want to see what their testosterone levels yeah. are. At. <laughs> I think the definitely yes, but I think even within that, that that there needs a bit of education in that. I sure. think that. 
And this is why I like something like this, because I think it's, it's a good way of trying to get the information that we've garnered from research and science out into the community so that, that the education level in community also starts to increase. Yes. And people actually understand what it is they are seeing. Yes. So for, when you're coming back to testosterone and, and, and stuff, uh, there is a difference between uh, your fully bound testosterone and your free testosterone. Yeah. And that's what you want to look at and try and understand. Uh, but you also want to look at that in relation to, say, your thyroid hormone. Okay. Yeah, so free, uh, free T4, free T3s, or your THH, all of these things, because they all work in tandem. Yeah, okay. Uh, and, and estrogen levels. Yes. Definitely. Because so it is, uh, testosterone and estrogen, it, it's a balance. You're talking about a, a balance that's causing, th- that, that's permitting things to work the, the, the way they're supposed to. So, in, in like, so an easy example with that, if somebody uses an exogenous testosterone, yeah. um, so, so not naturally produced in their body, yeah. um, or if they're enhanced, then yeah. the testosterone go, goes up, except the estrogen tends to follow, follow. to create yeah. a Because your body's, trying to, your body's trying to right the wrong. Yes. So, it, uh, testosterone, estrogen, they all work on a ne- negative feedback loop. Yes. So that it maintains a certain level of balance within the body. So, if you up one, the body's going to go, oh, look, we need to maintain that proportion by getting the other one up as well. Yeah. That, that's a natural thing. Sorry. And your body's going to shut down your own processes. As yeah, well. yeah, which, which <laughs> seems to be the issue yeah. for a lot of people. Um, <laughs> all right, so, so one, one last one on the, um, on the free testosterone versus bound testosterone. So yeah. my last blood test, which would have been over 12 months ago, so okay. well overdue, um, my testosterone levels were within a lower optimal, but based on inside tracker, I was still sitting at the lower level of optimal, yeah. but a lot of my testosterone was bound testosterone. Bound, yes, yes. Why would that be a case? Uh, I can't tell you. I'll, I'll tell you honestly, I can't tell you off the top of my head, but I can sort of look it up. I, uh, yeah, I can't tell you off the top of my head. That's not because it's, it's something that I can, I understand uh, enough, yes. but not, not thoroughly enough to sort of provide a comment for it, but I know there is a proportion that your body tries to maintain, and, and the testosterone is used for a myriad number of different things uh, before before it decides to provide uh, what's needed for all the extra stuff. It has to make sure that your 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 you know the mainstay stuff is fed properly. And I think that's the gist of how it works. So okay. yeah. Um, Last one. How often should someone get a blood test? Oh, that's like how long is a piece of string, <laughs> isn't it? Because for different tests and for different diets and for different exercises uh, and for the different things that you put, through, put your body through, mm-hmm. there may well be different time frames in, during which something can, would respond. Yes. Uh, one example is, is sorry, so one example is um, glucose. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, that's something our body naturally uses for energy. That's our energy source. Uh, but how well that bo- your body deals with glucose is the, the thing that you're worried about. So mm-hmm. if if your diet is really bad and what's going to happen is you get you constantly get a lot of spikes if your insulin is not dealing with it really well. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, glucose, you can do it. I mean, some depending on what, what your situation is, some people do it quite frequently. 
Yeah. Uh, but if you know your diet, you you have a really healthy diet, and uh, it's not something that you have to worry about. So you don't have you know you don't add sugar to anything, and you know you've kept your sugar, your 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 simple sugars to a uh, minimum. Then maybe it's something that you you can confidently say it's probably not going to be affecting you so much. So essentially, like a case by case basis. Yeah, it is. It is a case by case. But and like I said, so more often than not, in my opinion, I would. If it was me, I'd do a comprehensive metabolic panel to see what my body's functioning at first. It's mm-hmm. like a, just giving a, an over, a once through to see what it's like, and then maybe then figure out, you know, what's what what are some of the key things that you might want to focus on if that's your problem. Yeah. And to get a comprehensive panel done, um, people can just see you get in contact well, with well, Regen. How does yeah, that work? Yeah. Uh, I think maybe contact you and then okay. you can contact me. That's probably the best way to go about it. Because, okay. um I think with, with most tests, it's better to run a whole lot of them. It's more cost-effective as well. Sure. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So, 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 the, so essentially what you're saying, so with the business, so you guys do like mobile, um, you can go out to locations if there's groups of people. We 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 encourage them to come in because you you know, there's a space, but we can actually if 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 we can set up a proper space for drawing blood and all that kind of stuff and yes. making sure that everything's done in a hygienic and sanitary manner. Awesome. Uh, I we have uh, certified phlebotomists that will come out and um, help you draw your blood and send it back in a, uh, in a proper esky and everything, get the blood test and um, have give you the results back in a, a week or two and that's it. Awesome. Nice and simple. Sweet. So we will put out details how to organize that and make that happen. Des, anything else? That's it for this episode. Uh, We hope you enjoyed the podcast. If you did, then make sure there's a five-star review on iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher for your chance to win a Perth Fit Fam t-shirt, which we'll be giving away at the end of every show. And just remember that if you love what we do, then you can become a supporter of Perth Fit Fam by joining our fan subscriptions on Facebook, and you'll gain access to exclusive content, discounts on merch, and more. Thanks for tuning in and stay tuned for more of the Perth fitness scene to come.